As you may have heard this morning, State Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister entering the race for governor of Oklahoma. And she is switching parties and running as a Democrat. When Joy Hoffmeister announced last year she would run for governor in 2022, it wasn't a surprise. Her name had been tossed around for the last couple years as a potential opponent for incumbent Republican Kevin Stitt. But what did come as a surprise for some was that Hoffmeister, a lifelong Republican, was running as a Democrat. Many wondered what that meant. Would she govern as a Democrat? Was she running as a Democrat merely in order to avoid a costly primary battle with Stitt? And where does she fall on topics like abortion access? On today's Listen Frontier podcast, I talk with Hoffmeister about these topics and more. Superintendent, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. I know um, it's a busy time of the year for you, uh, so I really do appreciate it. I guess we can just you know, get right into the, the interview. Uh, you've been the state superintendent for a pretty trying period for public education in Oklahoma with, you know, I'm thinking back to the, you know, the teacher walkout in last year, a found administration, you know, everything that's happened with the teacher pay raises, now the ongoing pandemic and everything that has taken place in the classroom and outside of the classroom. And obviously you're term limited. And regardless of that, there's always going to be something else for you after 2022. But, but you know, why, why governor? What was the, was there a particular thing or a, something that happened that led to your decision to run for governor? Why go from the state superintendent's office to, you know, immediately running for governor. Thank you. And it's great to be with you, Dylan. And I really appreciate the chances to catch up. Um, and, and so you, you just laid out the reasons, um, a lot of the reasons. Uh, we have had uh, a focus in our state on really uh, catching our kids up with funding that's needed to have committed caring teachers in classrooms. Uh, at a time where we have been enduring a teacher shortage. Um, that's been going on at a time where cuts came with general revenue failures, where our economy was in free fall right as I took office. And we saw just extraordinary cuts to a well-rounded education for our kids. Um, there's so much that they've had to endure then through a pandemic on top of that. And uh, bottom line, um, I have big goals for Oklahoma school kids. I want to see our children be winners in a you know, rapidly changing economy and ready for life. And that starts early uh, when they're, you know, young, uh, even before preschool. And uh, as they move through those grades, um, those foundational years, learning to read, uh, developing a foundation in math, uh, that's, that's all key to their success as they move into middle school and beyond. Uh, so we knew we were taking on great challenges, and we have had incredible setbacks, uh, some that uh, no one could have ever imagined over the last two years. But it, the work's not done, and I am seeing uh, barriers in the way. Um, our, I believe, frankly, Governor Stitt is running our state into the ground, and I've had a front row seat. And if we're going to meet those goals and make progress like our kids deserve and our families deserve, then that's going to take new leadership in the governor's office. And I am up for the challenge, and I'm not going to stop fighting for them. Yeah, so is that something that you would view yourself as governor as, I guess, your number one focus? I mean, I think that's something that we've even, in the last, you know, two years, come to see, you know, this example of how the governor's office, there are so many things that, that intersect with what the governor will do right way, things that you can't yeah. even anticipate. And so if if you are governor, is education and public education, is that your number one focus? Or how, 
how will you would you blend that into you know the number of things that you would have to to pay attention to as governor? One hundred percent. It's uh, it's time for an education governor, one who has been in the trenches, who has been a teacher, and who has also um, experienced it firsthand. You know, as as a mother of four kids who all went to Oklahoma public schools and uh, have, who have moved on through uh, their post-secondary pursuits and are living right here in Oklahoma. Um, you know, my husband and I uh, started, we, we met in college, and he um, went, followed a call into ministry, and so, you know, I left college. I, I actually dropped out of college and got married and followed him to seminary and helped put him through school. And, you know, my own personal story, uh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for college. I struggled. And I struggled long before that, so I know what that feels like, too. Struggled with reading. Dyslexia runs in my family. And I've overcome a lot. And I understand a lot of what moms, dads, and grandparents are going through as they sit uh, at a kitchen table uh, trying to teach their kids to read and trying to really reclaim lost ground due to some uh, terrible disruption that we have experienced uh, over the last four months. And that would be my top priority because bottom line, that is what is best for kids individually, but it also becomes an economic driver where everyone wins. Sure, yeah, that definitely would have, you know, an effect in multiple ways in the future. I mean, that came up yesterday a little bit in the, the state of the state address was the the idea of Governor Stitt has a very different approach to it, but the, the idea of anything that benefits children benefits the state in the long term, and I imagine you have some very specific ideas for how that will be done. I want to ask, you know, one thing, getting into the governor's race and sort of what the next, you know, a few months will look like and as we get into the summer and then into fall when it will really yeah. heat up. One of the, the main questions that I hear from people is about your political affiliation. If anyone doesn't know, you, you know, you ran for state superintendent twice as a Republican, and I think a lot of people assumed that you might run for governor. I mean, I thought that, you know, we've heard things for a long time that, that you would be one of the top, you know, kind of outside candidates to run in 2022, possibly. Uh, but, but some people were surprised that you ran as a Democrat. And I'm just kind of curious how you see yourself, you know, if that was a change that was motivated by people in the last four years or five or six years have sort of um, have reassessed sort of how their beliefs fit in with, mm -hmm. with the sort of political ecosystem today. So I just wondered if that was a change that was motivated by how, how you see your personal beliefs and, and which party they align with best, or was it a more of a pragmatic decision where, you know, maybe it makes more sense to avoid a primary battle with an incumbent governor or with some blend of the two? I mean, how, how do you view yourself politically? Well, like a lot of Oklahomans, I'm an independent thinker. And um, just, just to kind of remind uh, you in this conversation, you know, I started – uh, as uh, someone who had, again, an, a front row seat on the State Board of Education mm -hmm. um, representing my um, community, and uh, I challenged Janet Brisey, who was a member of my own party, um, because I saw what was happening with um, education, with uh, rural schools, with a leader that 
um, was really losing touch with what it takes to actually do the hard work of implementing um, innovation or new ideas. Um, we we have to we have to have not just ideas like let's be a top ten state like that's a bumper sticker slogan right mm-hmm. um, we want that but you have to be able to lead to make that happen and so when yes I I've not ever been someone who has been uh, beholden to special interests or or even um, you know party politics. In fact, I, I just, frankly, I've been focused on kids, and kids don't have party affiliation. Um, education is a is an area where I think everyone recognizes it's it is essential, uh, a foundation to a, a great state, and you know, strong. And where does that start? It strong, starts with strong families. You know, make for strong schools, which make strong communities that then attract others to invest in the state. So as I look at um, just a time of reflecting, I've seen Governor Stitt hijack the Republican Party, uh, pandering to extremism, uh, and I I do support education. I do support access to affordable, quality health care and can't be a part of that extremism and division and chaos that he is sowing. And as... I, like a lot of Oklahomans, um, want to get back to those Oklahoma values, which are working together, you know, common sense, respect for one another, courage during really difficult times, and getting things done. And I can do that as a aggressively moderate Democrat. So that's, you know, that's something that I was have thought about in terms of looking at a past you know, for you. I mean, obviously, it's always tough to unseat an incumbent. You're, you know, running as a Democrat in a very uh, conservative state. So you, it's kind of like a tough uh, mountain to climb. I mean, you have to appeal to a wide group of people. I mean, I would imagine as a, maybe I'm wrong, but as a Democrat, you're going to have to appeal to the sort of moderate Democrats in Oklahoma without losing the maybe center-right Republicans who maybe are turned off by some of uh, of what Governor Stiff has done, and those can be two. Those can be groups that on the edges are are not necessarily close to each other. I mean, you know, will there be a time when you have a you have to state a policy position that you think, well, this might anger, this might upset these Republican voters, or this might upset these Democrat voters, and you're going to have to rely on, you know, I would assume both of those groups um, if you're going to win in November. How how will you handle that? It's a great question. Um, so you know, I think that w- how I handle that is the same way I've always handled it. Um, first, uh, I don't pander to extremism, uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't find consensus in a place that meets the needs of most Oklahomans. And it doesn't mean that people with different viewpoints than mine don't get, a, you know, my attention, uh, uh, that you don't listen and hear and learn and understand perspectives that might be different than mine. Um, that's how I lead. I am more collaborative, certainly, than Governor Stitt. And, uh, and I have gotten a lot of really tough things done by bringing people with very different viewpoints together around the table. That's what's missing right now. Instead, there's this real heavy-handed partisan divide uh, that 
that, that actually goes against the grain of most Oklahomans. Um, we are, I think, known for that Oklahoma standard where we come to the aid of one another in crisis, where we rally together during really challenging and difficult times. And you have seen that over the last seven years that I've been um, working with teachers, working with families, uh, and working with legislators that come from all different parts of the state. And we can and we have already shown we can get things done that people didn't think could happen. Uh, a pay raise came after uh, about, you know, I guess two and a half, three years of being in office. Um, I, I beat that drum about a need for um, competitive, competitive pay because we had a teacher shortage. And we began to put it in like real common language, things that legislators could even relate to and say, hey, guess what? You know, um, my husband went to grab dinner, went to Chipotle. He saw the little brochure about their salary schedule and career ladder, brought it home. And I looked at this and from, you know, the the beginning um, guy making minimum wage to um, just two rungs up on the ladder, that person at Chipotle was making more money than an Oklahoma teacher working 25 years and had a Ph.D. That's not right. Mm -hmm. And so you bring things back to where people understand either the reality at hand, the crisis that needs to be addressed, and we work to fashion a plan together. That's how we got a pay raise. Um, That's how we will get out of these um, various issues of teacher shortage, nursing shortage, but, but we've also got to be a place where parents can count on that that neighborhood school that they either grew up in, uh, that they bought their house to be able to send their kids to, is going to be a top choice. And we can't abandon kids in Oklahoma school. You know, one thing I asked you about earlier was how, how you viewed yourself politically and where, yes. where you fall. And I wonder if, if you have any thoughts about how, I mean, I'm sure this will be, you know, an issue at some point, about how voters or Democrat voters might see you. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I know, you know, for instance, yesterday I was in Oklahoma City for the, for the state of the state, and then afterward there were uh, House Democrats kind of giving a response down in, in one of the uh, basement offices. And someone, a reporter asked, you know, obviously education was a huge topic during uh, the governor's speech yesterday, and someone asked um, one of the legislators about, about you know, hey, what would it be like working with, you know, Governor Hoffmeister? And I, I don't remember who it was, but one of the legislators said something to the effect of, you know, well, we're, we're really excited about having a strong Democrat candidate for governor. And it, to me, it felt like it was a little tongue-in-cheek of a comment, not from them not knowing necessarily where, how you align with them, with, you know, an Oklahoma Democrat politically. And so I wonder if you, if you view that as a challenge of, of how people view you, you know, because like, I mean, one of the things that we heard immediately after you announced your candidacy was this idea that like, oh, well, if in November it's still, it's fit and it's, you know, Superintendent Hoffmeister running for governor, we're still picking between two Republicans. And if that is something that, that might turn off some Democrat voters in the state, I mean, how do you view that as a challenge kind of addressing how people view you as someone who's already run for office twice as a Republican? Certainly, I have to prove myself to every Oklahoma voter, including legislators in the Democratic Party. Um, but I, 
and I have to, I am in a primary, and I am working to be the nominee. Uh, but I know that uh, in order to win, um, we have to we have to answer and speak to Oklahoma values, not national party politics in in a, any party, and and particularly um, you know my 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 position is I'm the same person, but I do not identify uh, where. Governor Stitt has been in the party, and I can't be a part of that. Um, What I believe Oklahomans really want is to stop the partisan divide and focus on getting something done. When you have chaos and division, you don't have progress and results. And I am a pragmatic person. I want to set a goal that, that... inspires people that we can get around, build and fashion that plan based on evidence, not some wild idea or somebody's think tank that is being paid by some billionaire that has an axe to grind in a certain direction. This is about what's best for Oklahomans, and I know number one has to be education. It is time we not just have lip service from a governor uh, who spent two years uh, of his first two years with giving me about 15 minutes of his time to talk about education policy. That is not a focus on an understanding of the role education plays. And now is is going to, when it's politically expedient, you know, is going to make a, a quite a bit of his state of the state um, focus on education, but not about uh, building on the foundation um, that we've laid, it, it, but instead it's about blowing up the whole system, and it's about less transparency, less accountability, and really breaking rural communities. You mentioned um, you know Oklahoma values and kind of giving back to Oklahoma values, and I think that's really an, an interesting topic because I think we can fall into the trap a lot of times of viewing Oklahoma through a national lens, right? Whereas right. Oklahoma is a very unique place, it's very red, but even the Democrats in the state tend to be very moderate as far as being a large group. And so Oklahoma values can be a little bit different than where, you know, we might see in other states or, or you know, if you're taking a nation as a whole. And so one of the, the questions that, all, that does come up is about where you stand on abortion access. And I know that, you know, Roe versus Wade kind of continually being whittled away at and even more successfully lately. And you've seen very harsh legislation passed in some other states. You know, even, you know, four or five years ago, you would have thought some of it was unthinkable. And we have a governor who said that he'd sign every pro-life bill that hits his desk. And, of course, Oklahoma is a very pro-life state overall. I just wonder, you know, as governor, would you protect abortion access? Regardless, you're going to have a very Republican legislature you're, there's going to be a lot of these kind of bills, or whoever the governor is, is going to be on their desk. I mean, how would you view that topic, and what would you say to to voters who that's a that's a key issue for? Yeah, well, and so I haven't changed. Uh, I and as I mentioned, my uh, I grew up in a Baptist home. My husband is an ordained minister. I value life. I'm personally pro-life, um, but I haven't walked in every woman's shoes. And I don't favor extremes on either side of this issue. Uh, and like many Americans, I'm watching the courts too. Uh, and and we, we will all uh, respond 
to decisions that are soon to come. So it's kind of you're saying in almost the Supreme Court's the balls in their court to some degree. If they, how they would rule on this topic would sort of impact what, what how you would view legislation that would hit your desk. Well, certainly, and I, I can, I can tell you that it's very important that we focus on how our that our that our moms and 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 women uh, have access to affordable quality healthcare, a trusted relationship with a doctor, confidence that their children are going to have a good education, and that they have access to a high-quality, meaningful job. I mean, these are, these are those issues that also are critically important to ensuring that Oklahomans are ready uh, to be able to have uh, successful families and businesses and communities, and we're going to keep the focus right there. You know, getting back to the state of the state speech yesterday, and we talked about this a little bit, but obviously the governor spent a long portion on a number of education topics. He, you know, talked about sort of a voucher program and, you know, some sort of nebulous system where a teacher might be able to make, you know, $100,000 a year. He was critical of teacher unions and kind of talked about it would be better for teachers if the union was weakened. I just wondered, you know, as someone who spent so much time in education, as you were watching the speech and listening to the speech and hearing these different, you know, education changes that he was talking about. What, what was going through your mind as you were hearing some of this stuff? Yeah, well, I think that that is all talk. Um, it was real quick to to come up with some um, idea of six-figure income for teachers, which we all uh, would love to see, and we know our teachers are worth so much more than what they would make even in the highest-paying state. Um, when you think about the, what we are entrusting uh, the future of our you know, youngest generation to be educated. Uh, but what a quick look at the governor's budget is flat funding for education. There's, there's nothing being put forward to even make that a reality. And the fact is uh, I championed legislation that he evidently has decided he wants to fund, yet he's not going to fund, it appears, um, which is this very legislation to keep teachers in these roles of using their talents and their expertise to be mentors, to coach as instructional coaches. Um, we refer to it as the Iowa model, and we brought that model in, developed structures so that it would still meet various statutory requirements for a teacher, but allows them to lead among teachers without stepping out of that instructional space and into administration. Um, we also know that teachers tell us, yes, pay is critical, but it is also about having the people around them to support children in their classrooms, shouldering that together with a counselor, with a behavioral specialist, with a math tutor, with a reading specialist. It's about respect. It's about support. And until we can clearly understand this basic, fundamental need, we will continue to lose teachers. And our kids can't let, we just, it's too great a cost. We have to get this right. That is part of why I'm running for governor. We need mm-hmm. an education governor, and it's, it is dire that this be solved, and this governor can't do it. 
thinking about, you know, having an education governor and everything that you, you know, an, an education governor would see. I'm curious about one topic. Um, I think we, I mean, obviously are going to see a lot of during this session, the topic of like what's being taught in the classroom or what's being read in the school library. And I just wonder, like, what do you think? You probably have more uh, insight to this than, than we do. What do you believe is the, is behind the kind of the, the culture war classroom bills that are being offered up this session? And how do you respond, you know, in your role as superintendent to parents who believe their children are undergoing some kind of leftist uh, indoctrination in public schools? I mean, what what has that been like for you? Sure. And, you know, I, I think Oklahoma kids are not political football. We just got to state that plainly. Um, my, uh, my desire is to see our kids have a strong foundation where we are are keeping the focus on fundamentals of math, of phonics, of social studies, of science. And we also do that in a way that does teach our history. And some of our history is uncomfortable to hear. Uh, but we must have our children prepared and ready for their post-secondary pursuits. And that means they're going to have to know American history, Oklahoma history, the good, the bad, the ugly. And and our teachers are telling me that they are afraid to teach. They mm-hmm. are fearful of what one question a child might ask and their answer um, might cause some kind of um, outcome or misunderstanding that that has a chilling effect, frankly, on teachers, not just in history class, um, but all over. So we, we, really, we really can't lose our um, sense of having a well-rounded education where our kids are prepared. And yet, at the same time, I will say, I, I was talking to a mom who um, was texting me, um, and as she was in the, 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 the drop-off lane, as school was getting ready to start. And I called her to answer a question on another issue. And we began talking about this very topic. And she said, you know, yeah, I'm, I just want my kids to focus on the basics. And I don't like extreme on either side uh, of somebody's agenda. Like, let's focus on what it takes for our kids to be winners in that rapidly changing economy. And but we've got to take the fear out of teachers being able to do their job well. Sure. Yeah, I think it's it, it's caught maybe a lot of people by surprise to some degree the the kind of growing number of landmines almost in the classroom that that teachers have to to be aware of now that you know a few years ago wasn't even a consideration that it might be yeah. an issue. We were talking earlier about teacher pay, and I just I just think anyone who has been a parent in the last two years. <laughs> understand yeah. how how much teachers are underpaid. Yeah. I mean, I you know, we I have two young kids, and you know, after about a week, I just think I don't know how. You know, I know my daughter's teacher. You know, my daughter goes to school here in Tulsa, and her teacher. I just every time I look at her, I just think like you know, <laughs> you're doing an amazing yeah. job. But I don't know how. You know, I, I go a week and I'm exhausted. I don't know how she does it. You know, so, and Dylan, Dylan, let me just add to something yeah. you just said there because you know I appreciate you just really reflecting on your own experience and and having that um, just appreciation, right, for what our kids uh, and teachers uh, experience together in classrooms. Well, you know, I was reminded of a teacher that um, shared 
how um, for her in her classroom, she's in a low uh, socioeconomic school um, where there's high poverty, and she she said, you know, for a lot of our families, we wake up in the morning, there's a parent that greets them, you know, makes sure they have their backpack with, you know, their snack or their lunch and their reading log has been signed. Um, but, and then they're off to bus or they're being dropped off, like the mom I talked to this week. But for a lot of our kids, they are coming to school and the first loving word they hear is a teacher who greets them by name. Um, it's, the place where they have a backpack that gets um, food for the weekend or for, I was in Tahlequah right before the snow came, and those um, teachers have prepared for those kids that they know are not going to have nutrition, um, let alone, you know, over the weekend, but during snow days. And, And they do wellness checks on some of their kids that they know are homeless. To make sure, do you have a couch to sleep on? Where are you going to be? We need to know how to contact you. Um, it is, and these are kids in middle school. And it's just heartbreaking. When we really get down to the struggles that a lot of our kids are going through, the trauma that they have experienced, and then they come to school and they're expected to jump into algebra. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we just have to really reframe the work in our minds, reframe it, the work that our teachers are tasked to do. And if they don't have all of that support around them, then they're shouldering it on their own. Uh, I remember a teacher telling me, I have to deal with trauma before I can teach. Uh, you know, I can't even get to that until a child is secure, um, fed, able to sit still and focus has trust, and then then we can start working through problem solving. Then we can start decoding words. I, mean, I don't think our governor appreciates just how much a struggle this has been for our teachers. And to somehow wave this kind of promise of six-figure salaries for some of you is just a slap in the face for the respect they deserve. Yeah, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that no matter who the governor is, there's going to be a million topics they're going to face. And Oklahoma and, you know, in any state is not something that a governor can fix in one term or two terms. But that the quickest way to solve the issues long term is a better start for children who are going to grow up as Oklahomans and grow up to live in Oklahoma and giving them a better, better learning opportunities and a better start is the key to issues that you might not be able to solve in eight years but might get solved in 20 years if, you know, the students today are in a better place to grow up as adults. Is that what what you're saying? Yeah. I love how you said it. And it is really about it's it's the marathon, not the sprint. It's not about the next election cycle. It's about the long-term plan and support with high expectations for our kids to be competitive, to be personally satisfied to know where they're going, to have a way to identify their strengths, uh, their interests, the problem they want to solve as they graduate high school and keep pursuing credentials in career tech or an associate's degree or a bachelor's or more, um, or, or be prepared and ready for the military. I mean, we, we have all kinds of opportunities. Our kids have to be ready to 
grasp those. And when you talk about what a governor focuses on, um, our governor needs to be able to fit the state. And some states are ready to focus on other things. This is at this point, education for too long was neglected. And we have seen in the time I've been in office, yeah, we have seen the legislature start stepping up, start addressing teacher pay, um, additional funds for uh, the classroom support. But my gosh, we cannot undermine that foundational piece of education by now saying, all right, let's bring in vouchers like the governor's scheme that he un unveils in his state of the state. That is going to dismantle the educational opportunities for over 90% of Oklahoma kids who attend the public school, that neighborhood school around the corner, or that school in your rural community. It, it should be the top choice. And when we get back to we've got to get that foundation secured, strengthened, and then we build on that. And that's why we need an education governor. Superintendent, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking this time to talk to me. I know we probably went longer than you uh, planned on, but you know, I just before I let you go, uh, you know, I wanted to say I really do appreciate the time. And then, you know, do you have anything else you'd like to talk about or let people know um, before I let you go? Oh no, I thank you so much for the chance to talk. I hope we get a chance to do that again. You know, I put ninety-two thousand miles on my car running my first race uh, as state superintendent, and that same car is in this race with nearly 500,000 miles on it. Well, that's probably uh, so, some advice for people is what car to buy then. That's what they need yeah. to know. How do I get 500,000 miles out of my car? <laughs> a lot of oil changes, yeah. tire changes, time <laughs> belts. But um, we, we are so grateful for the chance to get out on the road again. And we are out in lots of communities um, listening and um, really working to represent the needs of Oklahoma's, Oklahoma families, Oklahoma students. Uh, and uh, I just appreciate the chance to get to visit with you today. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Okay, thanks. Take care, Dylan. Thank you.